0: Welcome to the 9to5Joy Podcast. I'm Christine Selby. And I'm Mappy Garcia. And we are on a mission to make the workplace more joyful. And we are so grateful that you are here with us today.
1: Our guest today is Nicole Vasquez. She is uh, the Chief Operating Officer of Refresh Miami, which is the oldest and largest technology community in Miami with over 16,000 members. Um, She also is the co-founder of DeskPass, which is like an Airbnb for co working spaces. Exactly. Oh, I got that right. Uh, and it's a hybrid of work technology company that connects remote workers to a global community of on demand workspaces. We are so excited and grateful you're joining us today, Nicole. Um, we met a few months ago, and since the moment we started talking, I knew that it would be a perfect guest for our Aww. podcast. So thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm honored. Thank you, Mappy. Thank you, Christine. It's, it's a pleasure to be here yay okay so that was a very short intro of what you're doing today but why don't you tell us a little bit more about your journey um where you come from how you got to miami and then if you can just share some highlights of your personal professional life. Oh, my goodness how much time do we have going together? <laughs> that could be a very long
2: story so let's see i'll try to give a very quick overview so um as a serial entrepreneur and a operations executive i have built um, many long-standing and successful communities, uh, skilled companies globally, including digital platforms, and currently I am writing my book called Momentum by Design, which features interviews with global leaders and change makers and provides a framework that empowers individuals to become change makers and have impact in any setting, whether that's in their organiz- organization, their community, or even on a global stage. So that's in a nutshell all the things, uh, if I could give like a... 30-second overview of who I am, Um, but my career has spanned from uh, the corporate world to entrepreneurship. I spent the past 10 years being an entrepreneur, started and sold two companies in Chicago and scaled my last company globally for the past seven years, and then hit a point where I said, my company's doing great. I live here in Miami now for almost four years. I was running my company remote um, for many years, and I just said I really wanted to get involved in the Miami tech ecosystem. I'm originally from Chicago and was very involved in the tech and Startup ecosystem there, and I was really craving um, building my setting my roots here. I live here. My son lives here. My son was born here. We have a home here. Miami is my home, and so that led me to. It was very serendipitous that led me to join Refresh Miami. First time being an employee after ten years of being an entrepreneur, uh, never thought that would happen, but it's a good sign. It was a sign to me that said if I was called to that opportunity, it really was um, meant to be. So it's been a great opportunity for mm-hmm. me incredible people like yourself, you and Christine, here in Miami and really see what's happening in the Miami tech scene, which is booming.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, in case you have been hiding under a rock and don't know <laughs> that, <laughs> the Miami tech industry is definitely um, growing and then there is so many people. Well, Miami, I believe, has gotten like so much attention after COVID. People are finally realizing, we realized it earlier, but people are now realizing more and more. Um, that Miami can be a great place to yeah. live, and we are lucky to get people like you who actually want to set roots yeah. in Miami. Because some people are a little bit transient too. So, and to make sure that as people come and
2: move here, that we make sure that we that the people who are already living here and who have built this city continue to have opportunities. I think yes. that's a really big thing. To, because Miami is growing very fast, and we all know that with fast development, any um, environment comes
1: some some challenges. So, so, yeah. so mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely, that to always remember. Thank you for saying that, because I think that's a key piece that we need to address as a community as well, not just in the technology world, but also, you know, in so many different areas that are yeah. changing so rapidly mm-hmm. in the city. Yeah. Okay. So as you know, um, I, and, and a lot of what you said are some of the main reasons why we decided to invite this the podcast, right? You have this very rich set of experiences, and you've been in so many sides of the working spectrum. Um, but as you know, this podcast really tries to address and to find um, ways and stories that can inspire mm-hmm. joy in the workplace and what that means and how that can be achieved and what type of strategies can be used for it. So, this idea of having a joyful work experience, what was appealing about last year? Oh boy, um,
2: we spend a third of our day at work. Uh, the other one other third is sleeping. And so really, that only means it's a small smidgen of time for ourselves. But think about it, the majority of us, we work during the daytime. And even if you work at night, I mean, after you leave work, you go to your personal time. Mm-hmm. And the way that your work experiences is into your personal time, whether you you want it to or not. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. that's a big thing. And you know, like, w- why not make sure that that work time is a positive thing now of course that like can always be so perfect at all times but in general how can we make sure i think finding joy at work now i will also have a full disclaimer i have always been that person that loves their work um and the reason is is i do believe personally um mm-hmm. that work is a purpose it's a passion it's it's something that i enjoy doing and i met plenty of people that have said work you know it's it's just a thing that pays the bills I- and, you know, I think of a few different things there. Um, look at, on one side, if you have a job that pays the bills and you are just raking it in and it allows you to live this amazing life and you're doing all your side projects and like, so be it. So that's work that just pays the bills. Um, on the other end, there's sometimes people, you know, they feel stuck and they feel like they're forced to work but they don't find any joy in it. Um, although, you know, it's, it's from a place of privilege to be able to say like, okay, we'll change it if you want to do that. And it might be harder for some people than others to change that, but I think in general, you can start to take control or um, be proactive in how you feel at work uh, by doing things. Like let's say you can't, you don't have the opportunity to change your work, maybe where you work, perhaps it's changing the way you go about it with the people you spend your time with or how you approach your boss or even the environment we choose to work in, whether that's at home or in an office. There's so many little things. Um, my big thing I think is just, if something doesn't see you, make a change. Um, and of course that can be quick or gradual and I've always tried to do it in a strategic thing and you know, don't hurt anybody along the way. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is
1: joy is it's possible at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, just, and I love your, that you're touching on the sort of individual side of it, right? So mm-hmm. something that we've explored and talked about is there are these sort of two sides of the, like the coin. We say in Spanish the two sides of the coin. I don't know if that's the same in English, but anyways, <laughs> yes. Um, but there is one side which is, you know, what is happening in the environment and how are organizations and companies sort of building a culture that supports joy. But then on the other side, there is the individual factor, obviously. So the, based on who you are, uh, how you approach work, and then what type of things you do on a regular basis to support or not that joy. You know, mm-hmm. I think um that 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 definitely determines whether it's a yeah. difficult experience yeah. or not. So yeah. yeah. They, so I think you're gonna bring like a really really amazing perspective Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> talking- I mean I do work a lot. So but <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, when also, it's joyful, you know like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I and I think you touched on a very important point, which is you know there is a lot to be said about what your expectation is about, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. if for starters, you just think that it's going to be this thing that you just have to do and, you know, sort of carry with you. And then, you know, just, you you know that you do it for this amount of time and maybe you're miserable at it, or mm-hmm. maybe it's a neutral for you, but then you feel that you live your life outside of it. So be it, right? Exactly. Uh, however, is what you're saying, if not, then how can you, and there are many things that yeah. can happen internally with the relationship that you build yeah. and, and how you show up and how you build that environment for yourself as well so I think that that's kind of the dance that we're yeah we're having that I like how much is it about the environment and others and the structures around you and how much is it about you and and, and the you place so of yeah well, and that can change over time you might start a new uh, position and absolutely love
2: it and then mm-hmm. as years go by start to feel that you're not challenged anymore or the environment has changed and, and that's okay, right? Yeah. Because life is an evolution, right?
1: It's
2: okay to, to, to make some change or recognize that it's time for the next thing or, you know, time for that side hustle. How many side hustles do we have, Right, right. right.
0: Um, so this brings us to our next question, actually, mm-hmm. when you look back on that journey for yourself and you think about the different places that you've been in your career, can you point to a couple of places where you were the most joyful, and then what were the things that
2: contributed to that? I was, yeah. And I mean, in every stage, there's there's and there's these pivotal moments. Um, I would say when I first quit my job to start my first business. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, let me take a step back. Um, what helped me to realize that I wanted to start a business is at the time I was working in um, my corporate job, and I hit this point where I was like, I feel like I can get things done on my own. I was hitting some roadblocks of work and was like a little bit frustrated with um, some things that were happening. And I said, you know, I, I need something else that I wanna do. So I started going to a lot of um, entrepreneur meetups and I recognized that I need I need something. At these entrepreneur meetups, mm-hmm. everybody had their fit, their business, their project. And I said, well, I mean, I know I'm not gonna stay in my job uh, and I'm seeking what is that? Opportunity, and so I said, I just have to do something. So I said, What can I do to be wet? And I was really, I've always been that person that brings people together. Mm-hmm. And so I started a dinner party company. This is actually my very first one, oh and everyone incorporated amazing. it. Yes. You know, it's City of so Chicago, so come <laughs> after me. And I just I broke even, you know, like literally every event I broke even. But it was just something to empower me and to show, like, yeah. it, it was really a test to make sure I do it. And mean, it was spectacular. I mean, I, I ended up organizing like 10 dinners. And it would bring strangers together. I would coordinate everything in the restaurant, you know, and it would just. It's so me, you need to It was yeah, yeah. so I, I, I do, but informally because yes, it takes yes. so much work and effort, oh, yeah. but it's so much return on like. I mean, every I, I still know there's two women that went on vacation together because they've had it mm-hmm. and uh, ended Like there's so many stories yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think what that taught me was that. I can do something on my own and that gave me the confidence to think that i was going that i would Matt. even be able to start a business that and then the second uh, one is when i was running my first home. my very first company was a co-working space in chicago it was the size of a small cafe and i was there no joke monday through sunday mm-hmm. 7 a.m to like 10 p.m at night oh i mean i was building this community yeah. from the ground up but that's also why you know we were full by a year into it mm-hmm. and it was the best time and the reason i say that is because i was a 110% only focused on that. I mean, from the second I woke up, there was no other side project than mm-hmm. that. Go goping. <laughs> Believe it or not, I had zero yeah. other side hustles yeah. except for that one business. And I just gave it everything I had. There was no preconceived notions. I I built the business, I tested out the model, I evolved, I pivoted it quickly, I talked to my customers, I've, I brought them along with the process. Mm-hmm. And I was just, out, I was out there, I was in the community, it was like all these, and it was just, you just gave it your all, you know. Yeah. And even yeah. though I was there 11 hours a day, a lot of times, I mean, this is a one part time of my life where I hardly traveled, yeah. even though that's my favorite thing. Um, but it was beautiful. I learned so much. It's accelerated learning. Um, I think there was a little bit, you know, we're we're not 20, and we have had businesses for a while. And uh, I think there was an aspect of like a little bit of naivete, but also just this like I can. Just going for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. For it. yeah. That's so cool. And so on the other side of that, what are the times that you've had the least joy in your career journey and what do you think has contributed to that? I can say it exactly. It's when I was stretched too thin and I felt yeah. like I wasn't at my best. And so this sounds crazy, but at one point in my time I was running three I was part of three businesses. Mm-hmm. I still had my first co-working space. I had although I had brought in a manager to run that, um, I had my second space that I opened in partnership with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was running it, but I was still like an adv- strategic advisor. And then we were scaling our technology company. And even though I was mainly focused on the technology company, the first location, that manager would need, would need my assistance. Um, the second space, they were still looking to me to help really grow and be strategic. And then, of course, I had this tech company that was growing very quickly. And I hated that feeling because I was like, not a hundred percent at any one of those. Mm-hmm. And I recognized it and I didn't like that. And I just very quickly, that's when I uh, said, we need to, you know, I want to sell the first location. Like it's not worth keeping it, even if it has potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just quickly, so within like six months, we, you know, I stepped away from my second look. Like I just, we put things in place. I just said, I can't, like, I can't, I can't. And no, the, the best thing is that nobody was like, you're disappointing us. But I knew yes. that I wasn't a hundred percent and I hated that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think being like humble enough yeah. and proactive enough to say I can't handle this, I don't want to, I don't want anything to suffer and um, having a strategy to to remove myself from those two businesses.
1: So I have to say I just loved the way in which your face lit up as you were talking about these <laughs> yeah. joint I know, I was like I was like 27, I was like let's just do it, business. <laughs> <isn't it?" laughs> <Weird to speak. laughs> And, but I think that you're tying it up to something that you said at the beginning as far as purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So, and maybe that is where there are some people, and, and, and I think that this changes also generationally, mm-hmm. that there are people that are really driven to, or are very sort of interested or, or, or assume or expect their job to be aligned to their purpose, mm-hmm. right? Um, or that find that joy and that um, sort of drive in, in the purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter like how challenging the work can do, like mm-hmm. how exhausting, because like you working 12 hours a day, yeah. you know, seven days a week, it's, it's exhausting, yeah. right? But we were just talking Now about when you're 27. I was like, no, we <laughs> did <laughs> 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 not, not, not I so was not like, no, no problem. problem. <laughs> um, but when we were just talking about this, how, when you um, and and I was I was sharing with Nicole how we've had other guests that are talking about um, how some of the most joyful experiences have also been very challenging as far mm-hmm. as like the demand of the work, right? Yeah. So I just I just found it like really beautiful and inspiring, and I could totally feel it. These these just like there is a purpose, there is a, like a vision. there yeah. is that place yeah. that I want to get to, yeah. and I know that. All of this effort and all of this grind is gonna get me there, mm-hmm. um, and it's just so inspiring. Like to me, that's the way it should be for mm-hmm. anybody and anybody yeah Because, um, it, like, that's what gives you life, right? Mm-hmm. That's what gives you that momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I wanted to say that, and uh, and and also I think in, in on the other side, this idea of when you're spread out thin, mm-hmm. it's it's easy to get lost in yeah. the details and the overwhelm, and then again you don't have that true nerd, yes. necessarily. that yeah. it's inspired. There's that.
2: I mean, um, yeah, if the the book, the one thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a real thing, but it's hard when you're
1: somebody who likes has a lot of projects, a lot of projects. Yeah. So. Um, as we said, you know, and as you shared, you've had all of these experiences um, being part of businesses, being, you know, working a corporate job, then you became an entrepreneur, you created all of these amazing companies. Like when you're talking about everything that you've done, people must be like, okay, so she's like 65 years old. <laughs> all of that, And here she is. And she's like, so you're, you're obviously like at the beginning of your career still. And then you decide to move back into being an employee. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit more about sort of what, what's, what inspired those changes and how have you seen sort of joy be a threat mm-hmm. on, on, on on those decisions that you've made? Because they have been, I'm sure, in, in moments, hard decisions to make and, and some that may not make sense to a lot of people exactly uh, that are expectators. Yeah, especially other
2: entrepreneurs. I mean, I will tell you, even in your six months, maybe three months before I made the decision to move on from my own company would I never have, I literally never thought I would ever work for another company that wasn't my own. Right. And I just, I got back from maternity leave actually, and I um, recognized that when I got back to work, I said, look, before I left, I, I was co-founder and chief people officer, so I had three business partners. Mm-hmm. And before I left, I'm, I had hired uh, somebody to take over. Um, I hired a new manager, I also upskilled uh, two existing employees. And I got back and I said, company is working there is operating like a smooth machine smoothly like a well-oiled mm-hmm. machine um in my vertical i've got it to this great place and i just said i also recognized like we were about to go under our series a and they could easily i love that scaling process i love that gritty figuring it out things are moving very quickly and we're about to go from 20 to 40 employees in the next few months go through our series a that i just hit this point where i said is that what i want to be doing do i want to be focused a lot on hiring quickly technical talents mm-hmm. and Everything and I said and I, I actually and also as a founder of the business, I said, look, they can hire someone else mm-hmm. for less. Yeah. Yeah. And they can yeah. plug into the machine that I built. Then mm-hmm. if there's ever a time frame to move on, it would be now. And I just said, Am I gonna want would I be is that what I wanna be doing with my time? And I recognize I didn't wanna be hyper growth hiring Mm -hmm. well. I was craving to do something else. I was also very craving getting involved in the Miami tech ecosystem because as I mentioned, I lived here, but I had been running my company, uh, living here for two years, running my team um, remote. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I I was craving that. So I I took note of all those things. I said, the the stuff I would be working on um, over the next few months, you know, wanting to be more... And I just started, but I also recognized I didn't want to have another baby meaning. I didn't want to start another business. I just knew I didn't want to start another business. And that brought me to, well, could I actually worked for a company. Mm-hmm. And I very ironically was at a uh, networking event and started talking to this guy who a, a venture fund here. And after we headed off just getting on famously, and after an hour, he was like, If you ever want to leave your company, like I'll hire you in an instant. And I remember going like Wow, maybe that like, could I could okay, have. Yeah. So basically, we started talking about me being the CEO of his venture firm, and that opened my eyes. And so I also think it's very serendipitous too. And I bring that story up because, as things start to come to mind, I think it's a big part of my journey has been selectively sharing that information, putting it out there, yes. in a safe like you know space. And I remember when he like he said that, and then I said, well, actually, and that is the first time those words ever left my mouth. I said I actually would consider that. Let's get on a call. And because of that call, it ended up not being a great fit. But what, what happened is that I ended up calling my good friend, Maria, who has been running Refresh Miami for many years, but part-time because she's a VC at uh, Florida Funders. I shared with her that this venture firm had approached me. And at the end of the call, she goes, you'd be great at that role. However, <laughs> I have to tell you, you, I've always learned to hire somebody uh, to help us you know, optimize, transform, and scale, refresh. And what I love about that is that Marie and I have had a relationship for many years as friends. She's seen—we actually were part of a mastermind group together. So she's seen me in action and work. And it was because of that that she was willing to do this massive change for the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, yeah, it all kind of came together. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things. And so what's interesting is that that CEO of the venture fund—that was like maybe like an eighty percent fit. And I remember talking to my husband. Then that night I went home and I started looking on my LinkedIn. And I was like. Should I be a consultant for McKinsey? Should I do these things? Mm-hmm. And I remember like really asking myself, mm-hmm. none, they were all like 70%, 80%, none of them. And some of them were like, oh God, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then of course I had these moments of like, oh my God, I'm an entrepreneur. Would anybody hire me? Are any of these skills transferable? What does it even mean to be a community builder? And I had those moments too. It was a very mm-hmm. up and down. I mean, looking at jobs after 10 years of never looking at job descriptions, you feel confident one day and then yeah. extremely mm-hmm. yeah. imposter syndrome the next day. But what was great is that um, when Marie and I were talking, it just felt right. And it checked the boxes Mm of everything I was looking for. Mm -hmm. And of course, the mission was there as well because it's an incredible organization that everybody loves here, and there's so much opportunity. And it was like,
1: uh aha. Yeah. (laughs)
2: And so I I did all those things.
1: So So maybe you're touching also continuing with the purpose um, Mm -hmm. conversation on, you know, there. If you have clarity mm-hmm. on where you're headed or where you want to get, and then you know, kind of identify and pinpoint those elements that are important to you. It sounds like you, at least mentally, and I'm sure you probably had it really now, but you had like your set of things that you wanted to check, mm-hmm. right? And um, and and having that clarity really allows you to. Identify then the opportunity, yeah, and, and to verbalize, verbalize it, it. Yeah. Like,
2: yes. Sorry, I yes. cut you off. No, 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 absolutely. Verbalizing yeah. it, yeah. like once I wrote it down, I said, "Wow, I really want to get involved in the in Miami ecosystem." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't have taken, you know, working at mm-hmm. McKinsey as a consultant unless you know, they have a tech hub, which is great. Mm-hmm. But most of those roles would be taking me to other cities, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so yeah, that's mm-hmm. no, 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 that, that was very exactly
1: what I wanted um, to 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 probably digest a little bit more because. I think that you know a lot of times, and I believe that this has happened to all of us. We may have these like, desire, dream job that we want or whatever, but maybe it's very abstract. We haven't really landed it, and what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Or we may have clarity, but then we're like, oh, we'll just settle for the seventy percent, okay? Because we're like sort of not really believing that the one hundred percent could exist or we get impatient mm-hmm. and we're just like, okay, I'm not Still. gonna have another, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I feel that, you know, that that applies to so many things about workplace and work culture and yes. how you show up because when you just assume that things are the way they are just because they have to be that way and there is nothing that can change it, then you're taking your power away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful how you, you know, like sort of acknowledge the fact that it was a roller coaster. Like I can totally, if I was to, you know, I, as you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, what if I started looking for like working for somebody? Then it's very, you know, intimidating. Yeah, because you're like, how am I gonna, you know, show yeah. that I can do this? Um, so it's easy to sort of decide mm-hmm. of what it is that you actually want yourself or something else. Yeah,
0: I am. I have a question about that though. I, I'm curious, because I think there's a point in here about courage. Like, it takes Absolutely. a lot of courage to leave something that you've built. Okay. Especially if you're comfortable and it's going well. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. What would you say about that in terms of what gives you, if there's somebody out there listening who's like, I need the courage to make a change. Mm-hmm. What gives you that courage when you're looking at making a change?
2: Oh, I, um, I think just knowing that it's possible. Uh, but I will. I will say this. I have always treated others with respect and um, and given my all in work. And so I knew that me moving on, like I wasn't pulling the rug out from anyone. If anything, I the fact that I said this is the best time for me to move on because I had already gotten everything to this great place. They could hire somebody else. You know, we're about to go to Series A, so they were going to start being really tight on budget, anyways. I, I mean. When I told my business partner, and he was like, oh my gosh, like, wow. And I was like, do you want me to stay on for a few weeks or do you want me to, you know, like help out with getting ready for Series A? I can... And he was like, actually, yeah, maybe if you end next week, that will help our bottom line. <laughs> got he, he got it. He would... And then the other thing is that when I uh, told my teammates, they all said the same. I had a one-on-one call with every single one of them at the know. No. And they all said basically the same thing. The first one was like, oh my God, really? <laughs> we <laughs> never thought we'd hear this. But then they also, the second thing, which is, if you are, it must be the right thing for you because we never heard that. And so it's, it's a cheeky thing to say, but I think that if I look back at my career, like it all happened because of the way that I went about things. And so I didn't feel like this was some, it was a big move, but nobody was harmed as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's a big thing is like, it's, it's, you can make hard decisions in life, um, most of the time by, you know, really, um, ethical, intentional, authentic, kind way. Um, you know, I mean, ask my girlfriends, they joke, they're like, you're friends with all of your ex-boyfriends, how <laughs> is that possible? Except for the one that was really horrible, would not, he doesn't deserve, you know, but like, I'm friends with all my ex-boyfriends and this is a joke, but I bring it up because like, and mom, you, yeah, you yeah. perfect and it's a friends. totally possible thing yeah. to do because mm-hmm. you're just not on that path anymore. But we have very amicable, you know, respectful relationship and I think that's just kind of how it so, you know, making those big changes. So I think that's a way to do it. Now, if there's something really big and just like and claim you know, quote nice and go for it. Like just just go for it. Oh, I also think that uh, hard decision making is like a muscle. Mm-hmm. Once you do it once yes it is just like, oh my gosh, it opens your eyes. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think what you pointed out with the personal relationships is, you know, the, the way that you are, they can be braiding in one area of your life can also translate to other areas of your life, right? So I remember before I started my own business, I actually, I went to Hawaii with my younger brother and there was this like little cliff thing. And I'm not into like, you know, roller coasters or jumping off cliffs or whatever. Um, but I remember like standing there and my brother was like, okay, you're making this big decision in your life. Like jump as if you're like, you're jumping oh, wow. in the of your life. What a good coach. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I, and I did, and I really believe that, that, you know, like, lightened like up something mm-hmm. in me yeah. and, and showed me that, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. I think that that's the other, the other thing that, uh, and maybe you can, you can elaborate on this, this idea of you, you said You know, it's possible. Mm -hmm. So um, we talked ourselves out of the things we want to do all the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And you are clearly the type of person who, despite that talk, which I'm sure is there at some level, you are able to sort of quiet it down and go like, no, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes, it is possible that I fail. It is possible that I'm going to hate having made this decision. That's always a possibility. Mm -hmm. Like what else what other options are there and how do you still decide to go yeah i, I don't think i've ever done anything that was
2: very knee-jerk reaction it, you know making this pivot it was strategic It was planned out um even uh christina and i were talking before about you know that uh determining to write my book and it, i took three four months i call it mental olympics um anytime i have a pivotal moment in my life i put myself in these mental olympics which is a lot of self-reflection, recognizing what am I feeling, what am I craving, what am I doing now in my life that's not giving me X, Y, and Z. You know, where do I want to go? And I just I write all that down, and then I, I, I put a strategy around it, and I, I put a plan. Um, and of course, that's what I do for work, so I, I really enjoy doing that. But I think the biggest thing is like just always having a plan. I love when, you know, entrepreneurs will say, "So when should I quit my job to start my business?" I'm like, uh, personally, I would say start your business. You, while you still have a job get that money in the door because money hemorrhages out of your wallet when you're not having a paycheck of course that's you know, for most people it makes sense to start building your business on the side now not to swing people let's say have a lot of savings or something like that that's different but i think in general it's like my my suggestion is make sure you have a plan in place, and you can make big hard decisions but they don't have to be nature um because that, that ends up because what happens is that ends up putting more stress. Now, if you're in a, let's say, a bad relationship and you need to get out, like, absolutely, just get out. You know, that's a different type of a thing. But, like, when it comes to business, a lot of times it should be more of a chess game. Um, also, because my guess is that you're probably going to still be in that same ecosystem and environment, and burning bridges is never never a good idea.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to build those like Like, it took you so much to build those relationships. Yeah. Why are you going to... And, and and you talked to touching something very important, which is, you know, relationships transform. Like mm-hmm. the fact that you're leaving a job, that you're leaving a relationship, if it's in good terms, if it doesn't mean that whatever happened <clears throat> during that period of time was bad, mm-hmm. or that you know you need to. It's just like it was a phase. It it made its purpose, mm-hmm. and now you're ready for something different. Yeah, so, yeah. Why erase it or or yeah. write over it or right? Right. There is no need. Yeah. So you touched a little bit um, on your book and maybe you want to tell us a little bit about that, because I think it's very exciting. We're so, so happy to, um, you know, be able to be one of the first um, forums in which you're talking about it. So if you want to just share a little bit, because I'm sure everybody's going to be, with, especially if you're sharing some of those strategic, you know, that you talked about. I would definitely be all into it,
2: right? <laughs> okay, you're signed up for the book, because I am. Very far away from that, but yeah, I'm very excited because recently I just it all came mm-hmm. to a point where I said this is the next journey. I want to really be focused on this, so I'm writing a book called Momentum by Design, uh, your blueprint blueprint for becoming a strategic player in any ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And the book features interviews from global leaders and change makers. Um, and it also provides a, a framework that empowers individuals to navigate their ecosystem, um, build momentum, and have an impact uh, in any setting, whether that's in their uh, organization, in their community, or even on a global stage. So in summary, it takes the uh, strategies used by influential leaders and brings it to the everyday person so that they can be um, change makers and have an impact in, in their work, and their purpose, and their mission, um, and just make ways and, and change the future.
1: I love that. And how do you think that, and I guess we'll we'll sort of bring it back to this idea of building joy, right? So I, I, I hear that, you know, it's a lot about like the thoughtfulness and the intentionality, which we've also heard that ties a lot to joy too, right? Mm-hmm. When you have clarity on what the purpose is, you can rally people around that, mm-hmm. right? Um, that supports sort of stability and clarity and, and people can buy into it and then that you know like makes them feel better about the work that they're doing. So if you were to reflect a little bit on ways in which leaders or employees and mm-hmm. people that you know work different types of jobs or industries, how that ties into, you know, being able to nurture or um, bring about or support joy in the workplace. I think the Aster writing my
2: four-part framework that is the foundation of the book that explains how people can know their role and their mission, identify their role and their mission, build momentum, bring the right people together to, uh, to take action, and then leave a lasting legacy that benefits other people. That's the four parts of the framework. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I providing value to other people will always be a benefit to you. So when you can provide value to other people, whether that's in your work, in your friendships, it always comes back around okay. I always say even in works mutual beneficial is the way to go if anything mm-hmm. I like it skewed we're on giving people more because then they love to come back and help you out and I, I don't do that on purpose mm-hmm. um, I always say my favorite thing is when I go to a networking event and I meet people I play the game where I just ask question after question after question about them but um, until so they hit a where they're like oh enough about me. What about you? Because yes. it's true. Everybody's there because they want to talk about themselves. And if you really give people that opportunity, yes. and once they get that out, which of course I'm listening, then they say they will all ears and they're listening to you versus just you're talking and they're like, okay, what's my sales pitch after this? Right. So I think it's, it's, it's things like that, um, that I want to provide in the book and let people know there's some little things you can do. Um, you don't have to have, Existing power, wealth, or influence to do that. You can provide value in your work, and so and you can make you know we can make other people's days and experiences better by just being about uh, providing an immense value. Mm
1: -hmm. So interesting that you're saying that because you reminded me when 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 we first talked the first goal that we had. (laughs) This is and and it's something that I've been trying to put in practice. We had this like really great conversation where right? we were asking you like questions, I asked questions too, like we were very interested in each other. Then at the end of the call, we were like, okay, so before we go, tell me, what can I do for you? No. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> 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 um, because even me, if during the conversation, you can get to, oh, you know, like I'm looking for help with this or whatever it's rare that somebody asks you that like upfront, right? Like, tell me like two things that I can do for you. And and, and and you were taking notes and you were, okay, I need to do this and I need to do that. And then you sent an email, like you're sort of following up on those things. And I just found it so refreshing and unique. And, and you're right. Like it really, um, I think it taps into something else that we've also been hearing a lot, which is, you know, being able to show up as yourself and be and be feeling seen by the yeah. other person. Mm-hmm. So even if we're not in the same industries, you know, there is not there is always an opportunity to advise yeah. you and, and, and I feel that you do yeah. that so well. And you're yeah. right, it can happen at any level, right? In Yeah, there's nothing be per- professional, yes. even yes. personal, you know,
2: you're talking to somebody online or something. Mm-hmm. I mean you're already there, right? I know yeah. we're all so busy and I'm I'm guilty of it all the time, right? We're all in a rush and it's like, you know, with, at the end of it, isn't it just that let's just be good humans and be kind to each other? Make yeah. like other people happy, the world would be a great place. That's yeah. yeah. totally. So, you've
0: worked in leadership positions both in in-person in person environments and remote environments. You've done a lot around the remote workspace and figuring out ways that people can have community when they are in a remote your workspace. And obviously, with COVID, that's become uh, exponentially relevant, yes. right? But when you think about those ideas of building community, and you even referenced at the beginning that that is like your thing, right? You talk about building a everybody get dinner club. Yeah. Um, what are the things that you think organizations should be doing around this? Because I want to just highlight something you said earlier, which is you know we spend a third of our day at work. Uh, we know how important relationships are to our overall well-being, and obviously a lot of those for adults are happening at work. So mm-hmm. how would you um, encourage organizations? To build community, and what are some of the ways? Yeah, that I can do that.
2: I take I, I prepare, I take notes. I, I wrote some of these. Um, yeah, I want to make sure. I'm no, no shame. I'm a preparer. Um, <laughs> well, I also had some, I remember writing this. And I, was like, oh, I forgot about that. That's good. So I'll split it up into remote and in person organizations. And so, what I love about, uh, well, with remote, I think the number one important thing of building community is to have a shared mission. A book that I will reference. So The Day I Die is called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And it's yeah, such yeah. a good book about um, the secrets to successful teams. Mm-hmm. But within there, he talks about the, the things that you need for mm-hmm. a team to be successful and to have community. And one of them is, are we in it together for the long run? So mm-hmm. do we share a mission? Like, what are we, we focus on? I mean, it's so simple, but are we all rowing in the same direction? And I've worked with so many companies. I've heard people, you know, I've helped them with their business strategy and I'll say, who else know, do you have a, a strategy? You know, and I understand with startups, it's hard to do like a five, 10-year plan, even a three-year plan, I mean, but like well, one year or the next six months, do they have one? And a lot of times they don't even have a business strategy. So if you don't even have that, get it cut and then let alone and you communicating that to the rest <laughs> of the team. Right. I think the biggest thing for me has always been, you know, I've refreshed now from the day that I started, I'm, I spent six weeks heads down figuring everything out and then I put together a roadmap for the mm-hmm. entire year ahead and every week we review it. And, you know, we're, we're almost we're done with it. A year and mm-hmm. a thing. You know, now we're working on the next one, and we do quarterly uh, action plans. But the goal is that everybody knows exactly where we're heading, how we're going to get there, and how they're going to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. in a remote organization, it's a it's even more important because you don't even have this physical walls where you can put motivational messages <laughs> or <laughs> graphs or you know have team lunches. Yes, yeah, yeah. team munches, or have the kitten like yeah. hanging with the you know hang in there um, poster. Not kidding, those but those are great. Um, and so I think the shared mission. I also think consistency. So if you're a remote organization, having that weekly team stand up every Monday at 3 o'clock, and even there, and there's, I been guilty of this, where like on Mondays, I'm like, oh my God, we're just under deadline, there's so much to do. You know, and I get on the call and I'm like, okay, we'll go through it quickly. But then we have so many things that come up because the team becomes to that meeting ready to give their notes or they have questions. And it, it's, a, it's a consistent thing that everybody knows about. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, feedback loops up oh, huge. I mean, making sure that people can have a voice. So, um, something that I do is to, like making sure that if somebody, I think if I'm an employee and something happens uh, mm-hmm. with another employee, how, what is the, the process for them? Does everybody know that as a remote team? Mm-hmm. Um, what if I have a problem with the customer? You know, who does that? And of course, a lot of people just go to their manager, which is a, typically a good thing, but does that manager know what to do with that? Is there a way to get feedback to um, executive leadership? And so, their feedback loops in itself is a whole rabbit hole you can go down. But just making sure you have a map of how everybody can can provide their feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do still think that for remote teams, if possible, on-site meetups um, are great in person. So uh, a lot of times now that like companies are going remote, they are saving costs on office expenses. That's actually what DeskTest does. And it <laughs> helps companies reduce their real estate footprint by giving their uh, teammates and access to workspaces on demand versus having a physical office and so but look in person is, is awesome. yeah okay. and so allocating funds for saying one supporter will bring everybody together or we'll give managers stipends that say you get to determine you know what supporter you bring your team together but you get to pick one maybe it's right after a big project or whatever but let them figure that out but i i do think in person is great if you are able to and mm-hmm. so That's I've heard, cool. well yeah
1: those are so great And I wanted to add to that, or or to to maybe if you can tell us a little bit more about the communication loop, because I feel that that's one of those things where, you know, as we went in COVID from in-person to remote, I remember that, or at least in in, in the position that I was in, what was really difficult is when you're in person, you end up having all these informal conversations that are informal communication loops, right? Mm -hmm. So you may have those feedback loops sort of in place, but they are more informal and they just kind of happen because you're sharing a space mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have like the one meeting where you're going to talk about mm-hmm. this. So what are some ways, you know, which you can feel that people can sort of, um, you know, make it, like formalize it without making, while still keeping it authentic mm-hmm. and organic, you know, because I think that that's where the challenge lays. Like how can you bring that sort of informality mm-hmm while it's still having that way, one of the that structure. Yeah, right? I think I'm I like thinking of the map
2: of where these things live. And so um, for remote teams, let's say Dusthouse is a fully remote team. And what we did is we from the team um, handbook that I wrote, get, like having it when somebody on boards, they know there's a uh, whole page about how do you provide feedback to and where it goes. And, and so that starts in there, it's in the handbook. So at any point in time, people If they remember, they can go in there. There's also um, in Slack, we did a recognition channel. So if somebody had a great experience, whether it's with another employee um, or with a customer, they can put in the recognition channel and it didn't have to be even a specific person. It could be like, hey, just wanna recognize the entire marketing department, or I just wanna recognize like our support team. And so that was something where everybody could get, uh, could be like informed of something great that happened um and then there's also these unique tools that you could have that pop up if let's say you use slack um mm-hmm. where they automatically uh pop up and like once a week it'll mm-hmm. say hey so and so you know how's your week going and you know if it goes below a five you can and it'll say it'll start asking like oh did, did you want to talk more about that i can collect some feedback initially and send it to you know this is each department there's there's a lot of really cool automated tools that will mm-hmm. Help people to share, and then once it gets to a certain level, you know, it'll turn it into a conversation or pass it over to to the right um, leader to, to work with. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just you know making sure you have all those things and, and having a map, like an actual map that you know here's all the different channels that mm-hmm. can can go to. Oh, and and I think there's something to say about anonymous surveys are so great, like anonymous. Yes. You know, like it's the same; it's the online version of the comment. Box. yes and yeah sometimes you'll get that people were like just mm-hmm. wanting something for that benefits themselves um but that's okay right because a lot of times oh, oh so i was gonna say is when i we were um in our 2nd coworking space we, we rolled out a covet box and somebody actually one of the members was like oh you're just opening a can of work people are gonna put joke in there and i was like, oh crap are they and they did it they yeah. did it they put in great ideas we actually had to remind people because unless they would forget it's there because it kept mm-hmm. getting moved from the kitchen um mm-hmm. but people would put good ideas in there yeah yes yeah. and i think people share if they not the opportunity to yeah yeah and oh and they know that we the big oh sorry for feedback needs to be yes. successful gosh um i'm thinking all tactical the real the big thing that ties it all together yes. is Making sure people know that it's been received and that it's relevant. Oh, yes. So yes. it's that if, if uh, feedback has been given, it's Get sharing. It going Yeah, like sharing, yeah. sharing uh, on your weekly, on your monthly, you know, uh, town hall. Mm-hmm. Hey, just want to say that we received some feedback mm-hmm. about this. The company is looking into it, and we're doing this. Yes. Um, and if you don't have a timeline or you're not able to do it, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to say that. I mm-hmm. think the biggest thing is to say we don't know if we're going to do it, but we are looking into it. Mm-hmm. And we'll keep you informed. And if, and if you decide not to do it, it's like we're not doing it at this point in time because of these reasons yeah, yeah. But that you have questions, come to us. But that way, it's been mm-hmm. recognized that, and that's
1: such a good point. it's like yeah. the underlying yes. fact that yeah, yeah, and it goes back to the authenticity of them being seen. That if you ask for my feedback, yeah, yeah you better do something. Yeah, otherwise, you were like today. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, so I want to ask you a question about that. So why do you think? having clear processes that people are accountable for is so important to building joy in the workplace
2: because clearly there's a connection yeah why do you think that is you have to make it easy for people I mean I think I like processes because I like we like because things get done easily and efficient mm-hmm. um, and we're humans if there's too much friction we're not gonna do it yeah. but I think but we're also humans and we want we don't mind guide rails if they help us get somewhere. Nobody wants to be in like micromanaged. Nobody wants to be in this uber strict environment. But we also, you know, I learned in some of these parenting podcasts I (laughs) learned is that children actually do want guardrails. You know, they do want that. Um and I think that's the thing is like um a key like tenet of community building is in the beginning the leaders, the um they are very involved Mm -hmm. because they're building up or getting people in, Mm -hmm. but over time, Mm -hmm. if you build the right environment that's empowering people, you end up taking a step back and they continue to grow the environment Mm -hmm. or the the community, but you are in charge of making sure there's an environment that works for all Mm -hmm. and that the shared environment, whether it's in person or online, is safe and inclusive and supportive and all those things. And so you're more responsible for um, this, ecosystem. Um, and so that's what I think of when I think of the clear processes. I think um, people do well, if, like people want to do well on their own, but mm-hmm. it's helpful to have things that they can do that way.
0: Okay, so we have loved this conversation. Yeah. It's been really good and we've covered a lot. Because yeah. you, have, you have so many experiences <laughs> and it brings like this really richness to it and we want to be really actionable. So if you reflect on the conversation or any of your prepared notes. I know. My first question is that. You a, <laughs> that? <laughs> yes. um, if you could give the, our listeners a 30 second piece of actionable advice and mm-hmm. um, you want to build a joyful workplace, do this. You don't need to use that yeah. sentence spring but what, what's your 30 seconds?
2: this is for organizations building a joyful workplace or for individuals or both. both, both. Yeah. I would say if it's an individual, start with the individual. Yeah. And honestly, you know what I wrote? I wrote one sentence. I said that know that joy at work is a hundred percent possible. If that's what you want, it's a hundred percent possible. And work, you know, self reflect, talk with other people, work with the coach talk with people uh your advisors at work your managers but it's 100 percent at work so if you're not getting that joy at work yeah. um it could be time to move on it could be time to change worlds within the company it could be time to start a side hustle to mm-hmm. give you that satisfaction in something else so i'd say that's 100 percent at work uh, or for individuals that it's possible um i think for organizations is it sounds so che- uh, cheesy, but it's fundamental: is put people first mm-hmm. in your decision making and um, involve people in the process. Mm-hmm. So, as you're making changes, I think the a time that we that I've made a mistake as a leader is when our company was moving, it was growing so quickly um, that we were just hammering away at big decisions after big decision, and we failed to keep people informed of the process. And luckily it was good things, but when we don't share that, other people are like, well, what's happening? And we heard this and how can we heard from other organizations that we're doing this now? And it's like, and it was just, um, I think transparency is the biggest thing. And, in and in, as an organization to make people feel like involved, supported, cared for, yes. you know, I mean, company is a big family. And if, if someone's, there's people in the side mm-hmm. room, mm-hmm. hushed voices making decisions, even if it's for the good to the company and you're you know, your great leaders, it's like, you know. So I think transparency is the biggest thing and making sure people are involved in that um, process. It's huge. Nicole, yeah. thank you so much. This has been an awesome conversation. We've loved having you on.
0: And we are so excited for your book. Well, yes. So yes. when it comes out, we're gonna <laughs> promote it um, for
1: you. Yes. And I can't I can't wait to read it. Well, no, I know I appreciate it. Read that. it and use it. Because yeah. like I, I, I'm I'm already envisioning like you're gonna have obviously the template and the question and the prompt and the so super excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you ladies. This yeah. has been a fantastic conversation. Perfect. Your questions Perfect. are awesome. Perfect. Thank you. We really enjoyed having you here.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Please follow us on social media. We are at the number 9TO, the number 5, Joy Podcast on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Or you can always send us a good old-fashioned email at the number 9TO, the number 5, Joy Podcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, spread the joy. Have the joy. <laughs>
2: We'll see you next